scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when the it was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thanks be to This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us begin with a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to thee, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. It is the evening of the first day of the week, and the doors are closed, locked. The disciples are shut tightly inside. They have been self-isolating social distancing from the rest of society. Not because of a pandemic, but because of fear. They were anxious and afraid. Can we somehow identify with them? Japan is in a state of emergency. Although things here in Kobe might seem a little better than they are in Tokyo and elsewhere, but we just don't know for sure. We just don't know the future. Some of us may have our own doubts about what is really going on with COVID-19 in Japan. Just like the disciples were unsure of their future, we are unsure what lays in store for us. Peter and another disciple had seen the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene had spoken with the risen Christ, and she had told the disciples about it. After hearing the news, you'd think they'd be really excited about Jesus and telling everybody that he was alive. And I don't know why, but instead they chose to go behind locked doors. But maybe they were still traumatized by his arrest and his death on the cross. Maybe they did not fully believe that he had returned. 
Maybe they were protecting themselves because they didn't know they would also be arrested since they were his followers. And so they gathered behind locked doors and they waited. We wait too. Are we fearful for our future? How do we feel about hours and hours of watching the news on CEN or NHK and we're getting so much information. We're just inundated with information. Does it help us? Does it calm us? Does it make us more fearful? No matter how frustrating, confusing, or scary this crisis gets, fear does not have the final say. First John 4, verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Remember that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on the love of Christ that we share with others. Even behind locked doors, we've been able to share the love of Christ in our community and respond to needs. But going back to the disciples, what about the disciples in today's scripture? Defying locked doors, they find hope, hope in Jesus. Jesus is with them. Jesus is with us. Behind those locked doors, the first person to question this hope is Thomas. We often say, doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas as a phrase in English for a person who is a doubter. Someone who questions what he or she is hearing or seeing. Thomas has gotten such a bad rap throughout the ages. Thomas made one small comment that expressed his honest doubts and the name stuck. Doubting Thomas. And that name, Doubting Thomas, has stuck with him for centuries ever since. Poor Thomas. Now it is interesting that the first three Gospels, we are told absolutely nothing at all about Thomas. It's in John's Gospel that he emerges. But even then, there's only 155 words about him. Now what did Thomas think when he heard the disciples claim, we have seen the Lord? Did he think it was not true? The disciples had just dismissed Mary's report of Jesus as nonsense. In Luke 24, verse 11, it says that the disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Some translations say an idle tale. They had, not, they had seen him die on the cross, and then they saw his tomb. The disciples thought, well, there's probably no way he could be alive again. So Thomas responded, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. He had to be sure it was Jesus and what better way than to see his wounds. But the question I have is, why did he have to touch the wounds? Why? But I believe he wanted 
not only see the wounds himself, to make sure Jesus was human and not a ghost, but he also had a need to somehow be part of the pain that Jesus went through. He wanted to identify with the suffering, somehow show his solidarity with Jesus, to connect with him, to touch his hands. He wanted to know Jesus through his hands. I am not sure I could recognize people just by their hands. I'd have to see the person's face or hear their voice. But Thomas just wanted to see Jesus' hands and the wounds. In sign language, touching the hands in the middle of the palm, like this, is how you say Jesus in both American and Japanese sign language. Hands are a way we connect with people. Thomas needed to connect with Jesus through his hands to truly believe that Jesus was alive. Thomas wanted to touch the wounds that represented the suffering of Christ. Thomas' face is restored after when he sees Jesus and he feels his hands. Now, Thomas had some other qualities that we often don't talk about or maybe think about, but if you look at Scripture, you can find them. In John chapter 11, verse 16, we hear about how Thomas bravely urged the disciples, let us go that we might die with Jesus after Lazarus' death when Jesus was determined to return to Judea where the Judeans had previously tried to stone Jesus. But Thomas had said, let's go. Let's go and die with him. So hearing that, I think maybe he should be called loyal Thomas. Thomas was also the one who boldly spoke up at the Last Supper on behalf of the disciples. John chapter 14, verses 5 to 7, we see this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And if we look again at today's scripture, we see that Thomas was the only disciple not hiding behind locked doors and waiting in fear. After Thomas touches Jesus' hands and starts to believe, he says, my Lord and my God. This is the place in all the Gospels where the divinity of Christ is stated. Thomas making a confession of faith. He says, my Lord and my God, not teacher, not just Lord, not Messiah, but God. He calls Jesus God, and that's pretty significant. It's the only place where Jesus is called God without a qualification of any kind. These words are directly related to all the future Christians, to us who would believe without seeing. The Gospel of John is written for people like us, we did not get to see Jesus' resurrection with our own eyes, but who live on a daily basis as Easter people who experience the resurrection in our own lives. Have you ever had doubts in your faith before? Do you have doubts now? 
doubts about your future. The world's future. Sometimes we may be teetering between belief and doubt, depending on the circumstances in our lives. And this can be true for many of us, especially during this pandemic. An accident or crisis happens in our lives, and we wonder why God allowed this to happen. A child becomes terminally ill. Why? COVID-19 spreads worldwide. Why? We may know as Christians that God did not cause our pain or send a crisis to make us suffer or test us. God doesn't do that, but still we can't help but ask God, why God, why? Why do we have this pandemic now? As the psalmist also cries out, how long, O Lord, how long? Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, how long? We wonder how long this pandemic will last. I'd like to share with you a personal story now. I have a friend, and her name is Karen Faye Ramos-Young. Um, she's a clergy mom like me, and we went to seminary together in Berkeley, Pacific School of Religion, and then we both served churches in Hawaii. She was a congregational minister. I was a United Methodist minister, so we were not the same church, but we would see each other from time to time. She now lives in the LA area, and she and her husband have been there a number of years. And I was shocked to learn that her 26-year-old son, Taylor, who is a uh, flight attendant, he had come down with the coronavirus. So I'd like to invite you now to watch this short clip. In Los Angeles, it's a father, Daryl Ramos Young, who's waiting anxiously for a call. His son is in the hospital. It is the 19th day of my son's COVID-19 infection, day nine of him being on a ventilator. Taylor, a young and healthy flight attendant with no pre-existing conditions, came down with COVID-19 symptoms last month. He stated that he had a slight fever. So he was told by the doctor to just go ahead and isolate at home. Days later, Taylor went to the ER to be tested for COVID-19. But by then, his symptoms had grown so severe, doctors admitted him into the ICU. His oxygen levels kept falling. So... The next thing they had to do is put on the full oxygen mask on him over his nose and his mouth. He was really uncomfortable. He was having panic attacks. Good morning, sunshine. We're hoping that you had some good rest. And because the virus is so contagious, Taylor's parents and his two sisters, Jesse and Nikki, were not allowed into the ICU. Instead, the hospital allowed them to video conference with Taylor. Watching my son over a computer screen in ICU and not being able to be there with him is just the most horrifying experience one could have. I'm pleading with him and trying to encourage him on saying, Taylor, Taylor, you've got to do this. You got it. You don't want to go on that ventilator. It should be the last resort. But it was just too exhausting for him to bear. So that's when he decided that the best thing for him would be to go on the ventilator instead. <laughs> what the hardest things is when he's asking, well, if I go on the ventilator, do you know how long I'm going to be on it? He said, try to be positive, like, you know, maybe he'll be a day or two. 
and we'll see you when you wake up. And... At that point, Taylor was no longer able to communicate with his family, but doctors and nurses continued to call Daryl, placing their phone by Taylor's bedside. Hi, Taylor. We all love you, and I know that you're working hard to get better and to recover. Day after day. Hi, Tay. This is Dad. They offer him yeah, words of like encouragement and really support. Crazy. Love you, Taylor. Love you. We know that you can be strong and that you can be brave. Taylor's just the most wonderful guy with a giving heart. He is always thinking of other people. He is known for having this enormous love of ice cream. He also has really sarcastic wit <laughs> that everybody really enjoys. This is a real gem of a, a young man. Despite the severity of the situation, Daryl remained hopeful. I planted some little finger carrots here. So maybe in a couple months, I'll have something large enough to eat and maybe even share with Taylor when he's out of the hospital. It's always a little difficult waking up in the morning because it's a, another day of the unknown. And then it's always a little bit terrifying when you do receive that phone call. So you're anxious because you want to hear how your loved one's progressing, but you don't want to answer it on that hand because it could be bad news. It's the attack again, Up next. Hello, this is Daryl. The phone call that interrupts our interview and changes everything. Yo, Taylor. <laughs> hey, Taylor. Stay with us. Karen Fay and her husband, Daryl, and their other daughters. Jesse and Nikki are so thankful to God and thankful to everyone for all the prayers. And they're thankful to the hospital staff who helped their son. They couldn't go see him. They had to only view how he was doing through the computer, through FaceTime. But they had asked for prayers worldwide. And they are grateful now that he is recovering. And now Taylor is doing, uh, now Tyler is doing um, physical therapy and OT, occupational therapy. Um, he's taking short walks around his room, and so he's gradually improving. But it was a long haul. So this is truly a blessing. We may forget that God is with us in our suffering. We have faith, but somehow those doubts surface. The good news is that faith and doubt do not have to be mutually exclusive. They can coexist in a healthy balance. Jesus seemed to recognize this. He did not ignore or dismiss the disciples' fears that they might be killed if they left the safety of the locked uh, room, but he gives them this commissioning words, these words. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. This commission invites us into the resurrection story in which we live with the tension of fear and hope, doubt and faith. This commission invites us to bring our faith, our questions, and our doubt to the table as we live our lives in Christian community. This commissioning invites us to serve our neighbors in need. 
The resurrection story invites us to unlock those tightly locked doors, those locked doors in our hearts and open them wide and do our part to welcoming people into the good news of Jesus' resurrection. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and we can also rejoice when in the midst of fears or doubts, we recognize that Christ is with us. It's not that fear is simply swept away. Rather, fear no longer dominates our lives. There is one who has shown himself more powerful, and we acknowledge him as Lord. There are times when doubts are part of our faith. That seems to be natural. But when we do have doubts, it is often our Christian sisters and brothers that are the ones who keep us going. Their prayers are what sustain us. During this pandemic, let the prayers through internet, through Zoom, through phone calls, Zoom prayer meetings, and connecting in many ways with other Christians here in Kobe Union Church and also elsewhere. Let those prayers and the way we use the computers and the phones encourage and connect you. There are times that it seems God just can't possibly answer our, our prayers. And there are times when someone will tell us about a prayer that was answered. Now, many of you know Pastor Chuck, and he has many sermons on answered prayers and wonderful testimonies. And he has some sermons where he shared where things didn't go the way he expected and prayers were not answered. But his sermons have inspired us. He's also said that somehow through this pandemic, we will emerge. He said in his last sermon that we will be better than before. Perhaps things will be better than before. You can listen to his Easter sermon from last week on the website. We have prayer and can always go to God to share our doubts. God has heard it all, and it's nothing to be ashamed of when we share our doubts and our fears with God. We have this belief in the resurrected Jesus Christ who loves us and assures us of his everlasting love. Regardless of the circumstances, Jesus shows up bringing peace and life as a resurrection reality. However, earthquakes will still happen, pandemics will come, the hungry still need to be fed, and loved ones will die. The life and peace of Jesus' resurrection enable us to meet and live through those circumstances. When the doors of our lives are unlocked, the living Jesus touches us and heals us. This is the resurrection story. What makes Easter credible is that it keeps happening. New life comes to us, light shines in the darkness, and we need that more than ever now during the times that we live in. Perhaps you have not yet experienced this new life. Perhaps you are hoping that the doors of your life will be unlocked by Jesus Christ. Pray, wait in patience, and trust God. Pray, wait in patience, and trust God.
Life cannot be forced. Growth cannot be rushed. Sometimes it takes time to recognize the tender shoots of a new life already pushing up within us. It may be something God alone may see. Some of you may recall that we heard a lovely um, pre-recorded hymn sung by Anne Morimoto last Sunday for Easter. If you don't remember, you can go to our Facebook or website to see it. The hymn was called Hymn of Promise, and the lyrics are here up on the screen. I'd like to point out the lyrics of the second verse. There's a song in every silence, seeking word and melody. There's a dawn in every darkness, bringing hope to you and me. From the past will come the future, what it holds a mystery. Unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. If the words were not up on the screen, you can go to a hymn book or you can Google this wonderful song as well as watch Anne singing it from our last week's service. During this pandemic, we may not know the future. And as the lyrics of the song says, from the past will come the future, something God alone can see. This season of Easter, known as Eastertide, is for 50 days until Pentecost Sunday. Now, Pentecost is May 31st, and I do hope and I do pray that we are meeting in our sanctuary by then. We don't know, but this is what I'm praying, that we can have a Pentecost service here on May 31st. We will see. Easter and the season of Easter is about changed lives and also about a changed world. Easter is about a day when death is defeated. The promise of resurrection is the promise that death, all death, not just physical death, but every form of death, whether it is the living death of destruction or damage or fear or hopelessness or despair or COVID-19, but every power of death is to be no more. Easter is about letting lives soak up that promise of the resurrection until it becomes a reality in this world. That is the characteristic of Christians, of we who are Easter people. All of you who open the doors of your hearts to let love in, you are Easter people. You are people of the resurrection. As Easter people, we live with the awareness that death has no dominion. Easter people can stand with the pain of the world and not be overcome by it. Easter people will help not only each other and our family here at Kobe Union Church, but also our neighbors, others in the world as we connect with people worldwide through this pandemic. Easter people will share the love of Jesus Christ. Easter people will not tolerate abuse of themselves or others because we know that love is that way. Easter people insist upon the dignity of life for all because we live in God's created world. Easter people alleviate suffering wherever they find it. Easter people bring healing and hope when possible. We go forth today as Easter people of hope, 
perhaps some still holding on to some doubts. But knowing Christ is with us. And knowing that, we don't have to be afraid of what the future holds. Unlock the doors of our hearts as we become the people of hope. The risen Christ will always be with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.